Last week we started Jesus-based righteousness and talking about our righteousness not being self-righteousness, it not being works-based, but it being Jesus-based. And I want to continue that at least tonight. Um, if you are looking for good material on righteousness, most of you know Michelle Steele. Uh, she's been here before for ladies' conferences, and she pastors in Little Rock, and her husband pastors in Kansas, and they commute back and forth. Uh, great power couple uh, in the Word. This is a really solid book on righteousness, and it, if your works, uh, if you tend to go works and try to earn who you are in Christ or try to earn what God has for you, this is a great book for you. It's called Redeemed and Righteous by Nature, and it's by Michelle Steele. And I'm really bad to get a couple of books and write in both of them, but um, excuse my writing, it's yours. If I circled something, just know, pay attention, because apparently it was important to me. And I had two of them, and I thought, oh, one of these is new, and I had written in both of them. So anyway, it's a great book. I, I just... I can't stress the importance of this subject enough. And, and I know some of you have it down pat, but we have so many new faces. And I tell you, every time I study it, it's a good reminder of me not to slip over into works. Not trying to work, not trying to earn my healing. Not, you know, well, I go to church. Well, I, well, I, well, I, mm-mm, back it up. <laughs> back it up because we're, we're getting into something or... We talked about the prodigal son and the elder son last week. On which one, who are we in the story? We, either that or we go to the other side and we say, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it because I did this. Or I do deserve it because I did this. So whether we're on the, the pride side or we're on the shame side, both are wrong. It's Jesus-based righteousness. It's faith in Jesus Christ. That And and. For me, I have to be reminded of that. So, uh, once again, I want to refer back to Romans 5.17. Encourage you to read the whole book of Romans. But Romans 5.17 says, It is those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that will reign in life. That will reign in life by Jesus Christ. So it's those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that will reign in life by Jesus Christ. You, sometimes we have trouble being receivers. Sometimes we're better givers than we are receivers, especially if you've been a Christian very long. You almost take a, a it's almost a proud stance. You have to be both a giver and a receiver. And in this instance, we've got to be a receiver. We, it's only those who receive the grace and the gift of righteousness. And we talked last week about what a gift is. It's not paid for. It's not earned or it's no longer a gift. So how do you receive something? You take it. You don't just take it. You take possession of it. He's asking you to take possession of his righteousness. It's a gift. Can you receive it? And that's the question that we asked last week. Without it, we simply won't walk in everything that God's provided for us. We will find a reason to X ourselves out or we will wear ourselves out 
trying to be good enough to earn it. And both, both sides are just wrong. And not only does it keep us X'd out of what God's provided, it keeps us X'd out of being used by God in the body of Christ and out in the world. Because we'll think we can't minister to somebody or we can't do that in the church or we can't do that even in the, out in the world because we, there again, fill in the blank like we did last week. Fill in the blank. But righteousness, consciousness of who we are in Christ. Remember we talked last week, my life is hid. It's hidden in Christ. That's, we've got to wrap our heads around that. So when somebody walks up and says, can you pray with me? And you've never prayed with anybody before in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are qualified to pray. Well, I don't know what to say. Listen to what they're asking for and put that in the prayer. If somebody comes up to you and says, I'm, I'm sick or I'm hurting or I'm having a problem with this temptation, can you pray with me? Talk to God like he's in the room. You, you, you do pray to God. That's who you pray. You pray to the Father and you do it in the name of Jesus. You're not coming there as Cindy. You're not coming there as Brad. You're coming there in the name of Jesus. It doesn't have to be a perfectly said poetry prayer. It can be, help me. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help them. Give them wisdom. I thank you, Father, that Jesus took stripes on his back to heal them. It can be that simple. In fact, when it comes to laying hands on the sick, it doesn't even say anything about us having to pray. It says the believer shall lay hands on the sick and they... That's right. I love this church. Man, y'all know it. This gift is not just to save you from the flames of hell. The gift of righteousness, your salvation, is not just to save you from the flames of hell. When I was reading... Romans 5 today, even after we read it for like the last two weeks, something stood out to me. It is those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness that will reign in. If it was just to save you from the flames of hell, it would have said that, it will, that you will reign in death by Jesus Christ. But it is for life. It's for daily living that you would reign in life by Jesus Christ. This gift, if received, will cause you to reign in life. That means whatever comes at you, you're going to reign over it. We're called more than conquerors because we have to conquer some things. But this is how we conquer it. It's by knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. And there's just something about knowing where you stand with God that gives you confidence. Because it doesn't matter about who I am. It matters about who I'm in. And we are in Christ Jesus. So let's start off tonight by defining righteousness a little bit deeper than what we did last week. And I'm, I apologize, I meant to print this part out for y'all because it's hard to write down definitions from the Greek, okay? And these are going to be from 
the Greek concordances. So Thayer's said this. You might just write down the parts that hit you, okay? And if I need to go back over something, you can just let me know. This is what the word righteousness means used in the New Testament. It's the state of him who is such as he ought to be. It's the state of him who is such as he ought to be. So Jesus made you be in the state that you needed to be. He gave me that. He gave you that. The condition acceptable to God. That's also what it means. It's the condition that's acceptable to God. You don't have to write all these down, y'all. The way in which man may attain to a state approved of God. If you have accepted Jesus, if you haven't, we can take care of that here in a little bit. But if you've accepted Jesus, I want you to know that you have been approved by God. Well, is my action approved? Your action may not be right. But you are still righteous. When, we, when we're born again, our spirits are made new. And then we start renewing our minds, right? Wouldn't it have been nice if we had woke up the day after we got saved and our brains had been made new? Our memories had been made new. Our experience had been made new. That's not how it works. We get born again. Our spirits are made new. We wake up the next morning and we start renewing the mind to the fact that we are righteous. Once we get to the point that we have a comprehension that we are in Christ Jesus, then we'll start changing our actions. But see, religion puts the cart before the horse. And by religion, I don't mean Christianity. I mean, religion taught, Christianity taught wrong says you clean up and change and you become righteous. The truth is, you accept Jesus, and in him you are made righteous, and that causes you to start changing. But your state, your condition is righteous. That, and then the heart starts changing. That puts us in a whole different place mentally than what religion tries to put us in. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit further to you out of the Greek concordance. Don't try to write this down. It's too long. On this account, Paul proclaims the love of God in that by giving up Christ, his son, to die as a sacrifice for the sins of men, he has attested his grace and goodwill to mankind so that they can hope for salvation as if they had not sinned. You know, that's what justification means. Just as if I have not sinned. So righteousness is a state that we can live in where we're not sin conscious. We can be sin convicted. But we should not be sin condemned. When I do something wrong, there is conviction from the Holy Spirit that says... Mm. Let's, let's change the way you're thinking here. And let's not do that. And most of the time to me, he's saying, 
let's not say that. Maybe for you it's let's not do that. There is a conviction of the Holy Spirit. But that is not condemnation. This is condemnation. And condemnation sends people further into sin because they're like, hey, I ate the snicker. I'm just well to eat the whole bag. I can't do this. I can't live this. I can't live up to this. You don't have to live up to this. Jesus lived up to this. Now you live in him and you grow in him. But your state is righteous and that's why the Holy Spirit convicts you. Because that sin doesn't fit you anymore. It doesn't feel right because it doesn't fit you anymore. Why? Because you're righteous. You're righteous. And there, there's such a difference. As if they had not sinned. But the only way to obtain this hope, Paul teaches, is only through faith. That's it. You have to have faith in what Jesus did for you, and you have to accept that. That is the only way to obtain it. Listen to what Vines said, Vines Concordance. This meaning, right action, is frequent in Paul's writings. He talks about Romans 6, Ephesians 6. But for the most part, he uses it of the gracious gift of God to men, whereby all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are brought into right relationship with God. This righteousness is unobtainable by obedience to any law or by any merit of man's own or any other condition than that of faith in Christ. It's the only way. It's you you can't keep you can't keep the law of Moses. The law of Moses, the whole purpose of the law of Moses was to tell me, you, young lady, need a savior. You need a savior. It had a purpose. And it was a it was a temporary covering for their for their sins. It was a good thing. Don't listen to people bad mouth the law and the and and the, the Ten Commandments because they were from God so they were not bad. They were the best thing God could do at the time until the Savior came. So don't listen to preachers that bad mouth the law. The law was from God. Okay? But its purpose, the scripture says, was for it to be a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Christ fulfilled the law, the requirements of the law. He fulfilled them. He didn't do away with them. He fulfilled them, okay? There's a, there's a big difference. Sorry, didn't mean to get off on that. Where did I get to? It's the gracious gift of God to where men who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are brought, in, brought into right relationship with God. It's only obtainable, not by man's merit, but by faith in Christ. The man who trusts in Christ becomes the righteousness of God in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Becomes in Christ all that God requires a man to be. Whoo! When we accept Jesus and we, we are put in him, he said we become all. That God requires a man to be. That's a relief to me, Kyle. That's a relief to me. 
And you know, Paul, over and over, when he was teaching on grace, he's constantly reminding people, that doesn't mean I'm telling you to sin. God forbid. How many times did Paul say, God forbid? That's not what I'm saying. But this mindset will actually cause your actions to change. All that God requires a man to be. All that he could never be in himself. Inevitably, it it produces righteousness of life, which is conformity to the will of God. A righteousness mindset produces conformity to the will of God. It will cause you to change. It's beautiful. It's not religion. It's not bondage. It It is an overwhelming freedom not to sin, but to grow. I don't know about y'all, but I needed space to grow. And, and religion, false religion, false teaching would not allow you the space to grow. It condemned you. You know, I've got grandkids. And sometimes they do some of the most kid-like things. Well, perhaps it because they're eight and six and one and a half. That they act like children sometimes. They need room to grow. And you don't, you don't bash them and condemn them because they don't know what they want to do when they get out of college and they're, and they're six. They have to grow into those things. And, and God is for you. He needs you. You hear me? He needs you. So he's growing you and maturing you to use you. And I mean use in the best way. He needs you to accept his righteousness. He has has work for you to do. And it's work you won't do if you don't get your head wrapped around it. Go with me to Ephesians 1. We're going to cover quite a bit of scripture tonight. I'll try to give you all time to talk. But man, it it was hard to find a place to quit. I got five pages of notes. Sorry. No moaning in the congregation. I don't have to use them all tonight. We will be here again next week. Uh, I think. Ephesians 1. And I'm going to start up in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, he has given us all these spiritual blessings. According as he has chosen us in him. Just say, I'm chosen. chosen. Man, doesn't that feel good? You're not the last one to be picked for the team. You've been chosen. When were you chosen? Before the foundation of the world. That's like first round draft. You're you're first round draft pick. Probably the only time in life I've ever been picked first. But We've been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and without blame. Before him in love. 
man, y'all must be way better Christians than me because y'all are not near as excited about that as I am. He, he has chosen me in Christ that I would be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined or predetermined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, God chose to adopt you as his own child. It's predetermined. You know what predetermined told me? It wasn't based on my actions, my personality, my history. He didn't look at my file folder and say, oh, this one looks good. I think I'll pick her. No, it was predetermined that he wanted you and that he was willing to send Jesus for you and that he wanted you brought to the place of blamelessness and holiness so that he could call you his own. Having predestined or predetermined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. He wanted to. (laughs) He didn't have to. He wanted to. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein, through that grace, he has made us accepted in the beloved. Look, this is what all the world is looking for. Acceptance. And God put such a thing as righteousness into play and made you accepted in the beloved. That word accepted was interesting to me. I looked it up today. And it meant to endow with charis. Anybody know what charis in the Greek is? If you know Andrew Womack, you know. It's grace. It's divine favor. It's God's favor on you. So he endowed you with favor. Now, endowment's an interesting word. Um, We have an endowment uh, when Wade was killed, we, we made an endowment to UACCM's welding, uh, welding program. And uh, Tanya and those of us who are on the, the Wade Walters Foundation board got together. We said a certain amount of money had to be a certain amount for it to qualify as an endowment. So we gave that endowment to UACCM. And from now on, through the rest of history, some student will walk into the financial office, receive that scholarship from that endowment, and if the person on that desk looks at them and says, you owe us $5,000 this semester, that student can say, no. No, there's an endowment. Oh, did you pay that endowment? No, I didn't pay that endowment. I received that endowment. So an endowment of favor has been allotted to you. And when somebody says, you're not worthy, you owe this, you say, there's been an endowment. Did you pay that endowment? No, I received that endowment. 
It was a gift. Jesus did that for us with righteousness. He put divine favor in our account, and I need to draw from it, don't you? Verse 7, in whom we have, through Jesus, in whom we have redemption, which means the ransom has been paid, deliverance has been made, salvation has been provided, and the price of release has been paid. We have been redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Not according to my behavior. Look, there's consequences to behavior. There's earthly consequences to behavior. You rob a bank, you're going to jail. Okay, God will forgive you. But if you rob a bank, there's consequences to behavior. You can do certain things to your body, and, and, and it can cost you some health issues. Okay? But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about with God and your relationship with him, you have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So how much grace can you get? As much grace as God's got. Because it's, it's according to hit the richness of his grace, not according to me. And how many times I've messed up, it's according to the riches of his grace. Y'all got that? That's a powerful passage of scripture right there, and I feel like we ran through it, but that's what we do here. Seed, seed and, and take it home and study it, right? So the only way to receive what we just read about is it's through faith. We just have to accept it. That's tough for us because we like to earn things. But we just have to accept this as truth, just like we do with anything else in the Word. Go with me to Romans 3. We'll hit a few from the book of Romans tonight. Well, we might get to page three. We'll see. Depends on how much talking. If y'all aren't going to talk tonight, I'm going to keep going. Y'all have to give me a clue if y'all are going to kick in tonight. We don't have mom here, so don't y'all love her? Yes. Romans 3, verse 20. kind of jumping in the middle therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law rather through the law we became conscious of sin that's what we talked about a while ago talking about the law of Moses but now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known there's a way to righteousness that's not the law. That's good news for me. Apart from the law, it's been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, verse 22, from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That's how it comes. I accept it. He said it, I may not feel like it, I may not feel righteous, but righteousness is not a feeling, it's a state. It is a condition that I live in. And there's lots of times I do not feel righteous, but I believe in Jesus Christ. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you hear that statement a lot from Christians 
And that's the only statement they make. And you know what they're saying? I'm sinning, you're sinning. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. That's basically usually what they're saying. They're, they're kind of justifying where they are. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, see, that's not the end of the sentence. The next word is, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So the next time somebody says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, look at them and say, and? I guarantee you they don't know the next part. Study the next part because they need this revelation. Don't do it mean, but they need this revelation. Yes, all have fallen short. And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. What? He was waiting. He was going to put them on Jesus. Now remember this when somebody says, God must have did, done that because I sinned. God must have done this to my family because I... Mm. Now if in the Old Testament he waited for Jesus to come and take those sins, I promise you, he's not punishing you for yours. He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Who does he justify? Those that have faith. I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited to have faith in Jesus when I'm reading all of this. Verse 27. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No. But on that of faith. See, you didn't do anything to deserve this. You can't boast about it. You just accepted the gift. It's not that you were good enough. You just accepted the gift. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there's only one God, who will justify the circumcised or the Jews by faith and the uncircumcised Gentiles through the same faith? Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. That's what I was talking about a while ago. Dip into chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift. 
but as an obligation. He earned it, you owe him. However, to the man who does not work, but trust God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. It's not saying we don't do good works. It's saying we don't do good works to earn righteousness. There's a huge difference. But righteousness will produce good works. You'll do good works because you are righteous. Huge difference. Religion definitely takes you in a different direction than Christianity. Oh, man. Let's see. I'll try to get a couple more minutes in and then... Kayla's got the mic or be ready with the mic. Keep looking for Ken. Forgot we fired him. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Big guy, boss. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Well, 2 Corinthians 5. I'll start up in verse 17. I'll give you a minute to get there. 2 Corinthians 5. Because this is a really important. I don't know what's not important in the word. This is a really Important one on this teaching. This is not just light else fire. Oh, I need it. It's so good for my heart and my head. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if... Oh, man, what a great word. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, if you're reconciling your checkbook or you're reconciling your bank account, what are you trying to do? (laughs) Fix it. (laughs) You're trying to bring it to balance, right? (laughs) I love you, Bridget. Thank you for that great example true story you're trying to fix it because something's off but God reconciled us and he's called us into the ministry every one of us who have accepted Christ who have received the the free gift of righteousness he is calling us to reconcile people to God because people are waiting to get good enough They're waiting to quit whatever. They're they're waiting till they've done enough. And that's just not how God works. He's called us in the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. What? That's right. Santa Claus may keep a list, but Jesus ain't. (laughs) Let me tell you what God's looking for. He's looking for you in Christ. And this is a really tough statement. And I've checked with a lot of ministers. Am 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 I seeing this right? I mean, I know Dad always said this, but you know, I can't just go by what I grew up on. But it is not your sin that's going to send you to hell. It's not being in Christ. 
Uh, there are benefits to living right. There are consequences to sin. But you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, how could you go to hell? I think Jesus has already been there, whooped the devil and came out. Y'all can see law, think on that overnight. You can feel free to give me any words of wisdom that you get. He's not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, which tells me that's what we're supposed to be telling people. Remember what Jesus did when he'd heal somebody? How many times did he say, not be healed, but he would say, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus hadn't even been to the cross yet. He healed them on the promise. See, sin is the root of the problem. I don't care what your problem is. The sin nature is the root of the problem. What's the answer to the sin nature? Righteousness. Even in healing. Even in healing. Sickness didn't come until sin came. And I'm not talking about your sin. I'm talking about Adam's sin. I'm not saying if you're sick, you're in sin. I'm saying there's sin in the world because the sin nature that came in when Adam uh, and Eve ate the fruit. What's the answer to that? Jesus, righteousness. So I believe you can get healed on the righteousness message. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for me. So that in him I might be made the righteousness of God. How did I get there? I was made. I was made. When I accepted Jesus, I was made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Anything outside of Christ Jesus is a lie. There's something deceptive there. If it's my own efforts, if it's any religious exercises, it's in Christ Jesus. That's your new nature. That's the new nature in Christ, righteous. And that's so important because our behavior is governed by our nature. My behavior is governed by my nature. I do what is my nature. Now my nature is righteousness. So now I do righteous because my nature is righteous. If I have a, I'm an old sinner, saved by grace attitude, and I keep my sinner attitude and seeing myself identified as a sinner, guess what I'm going to do? Because I'm seeing that as my nature. I'm just a sinner. You're not a sinner. You were a sinner. And now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that, your behavior is governed by your nature. I'm now righteous. 
I received that standing with God as a gift. It was given to me by Jesus Christ, and it was an endowment to me. My nature is no longer sinful. My nature is righteousness through faith because of what I believe. I have to renew my, my mind to that, and that's the battle because I want to go back to an earn it mentality. Some of you want to go back to a guilt mentality, and we're going to have to stop ourselves and say, no, the endowment was paid by somebody else I received the gift. Amen. We're going to stop there. We'll skip pages four and five. We'll save them for another night. And I'll write next week so I don't have to ask y'all where I was. Oh, man, that next one's good. What we do, if, if you're new, uh, if you haven't been here before, I already see hand flying over this direction, Kayla. Um, my cheerleader over there. Thank you, Kelly. You I'll tell Mom you represented her well tonight. Okay. <laughs> you do a good job. Kayla's behind you. Okay, the auditor accountant came out and I thought it might. Whenever um, in verse 19 there in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says reconciling. Yep. Okay, think of it like that God is the ultimate bank balance that okay. is never incorrect. Because the correct way to do a uh, bank reconciliation is you put in that bank balance first, and then you compare that to your book balance. And if, and if there's match. a variance, yes, they don't match, then you have to figure out why. So that's, anyway, it was just like, whoo, I see this one. That's good. I, when I said that about the bank, I kind of looked your way because I thought, mm-hmm, my little auditor over there is going to, we're going to keep Kayla. Run to the other side, Kayla. Um, thank you, Kayla, for doing that for us. You're That's welcome. good, Kelly. Jesus brings that, what, we're, what we were missing from hitting that ultimate, Jesus' grace makes the difference and reconciles us to God. Woo! Mm, I like it. So when you were saying that, I was thinking of Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what you're teaching us about his righteousness, we're, we're, he's asking us to seek it, to seek to know his righteousness. And that's how you do it. You read the word, but these scriptures we've been learning to have right standing. We seek him. And really, when you're seeking him, who, whose eyes do you have? Right. You have your eyes on him, everything else is going to work out because you're seeking him. And now we know, and which we did know, but you, yeah. you made it relevant, that now we know we are in his righteousness, not in us. And, and so our garments, our, our garments are gone because that's the old man. We that's have the good. new man, and we're in him. So seek to know him, if you, especially if you haven't heard what... You've been teaching. Seek to know his righteousness. That's good. And there, there are so many scriptures. You know, and if you don't know, a lot of Bibles, most Bibles, you can go to the back of your Bible, and it's got like what kind of looks like a little dictionary index back there, and you can look up the word righteous, righteousness, um, and, and it'll tell you what scriptures to go to. Everybody, you know, if you've got access to a computer, you can Google righteousness, and it'll pull up the scriptures. We, we have access to so much now. Uh, a great teacher on righteousness, it, to me, is Andrew Womack. Uh, he teaches a real 
solid uh, teaching on, on righteousness.